It's a hot bank holiday weekend in England. Aston Villa's first win of the Premier League season hopefully has taken the heat off of them, though. I'm James Rushton. This is a Holtcast. I'm joined by Danny Riser and Talk Aston Villa. How are you doing, guys? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself, James? Excited to have uh, this first win under our belts. It's, it's something pleasant to speak about rather than the critiques we usually bring up. Danny, three points in the bag. How does it feel? Three points in the bag, man. I was I was delighted with it, and just because of the manner of the victory as well. Um, I um, yeah, I'm super super happy after Friday. Well, the first thing to speak about, I guess, is Wesley's goal. He's off the mark, man. Cole, did you expect it so early? Um, I don't know. I kind of slated him last week a little bit, maybe unfairly, but no, it was a great goal. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I was gonna give him maybe his fifth game. He would have done something. I just felt like he was improving ever so slightly every game. Um, but no, for it to come in the third game, um, great to see. And you know what? More to come for sure. Gary Neville brought it up a few times. And, you know, Wesley's celebration that he did when Villa were preparing their gifts for the season was that old cutthroat, Danny. Um, has he silenced a few people? Yeah, I think he has. I, I think the, the sort of narrative that's been painted is that he's been criticised by former footballers and how dare they... Um, yeah, how how dare they say this uh, about him? How do they? How dare they call him lazy? Um, and they're talking about him signing. But I, the thing is, it's it's not just the ex footballers, and I don't think there was an awful lot of uh, unwarranted criticism. I think there were observations of his game which may have needed changing. Um, but I think a lot of it was our own fans getting on his back. There, there was a lot of people sort of after the game saying. Uh, I mean, after the Tottenham game, uh, some after the Bournemouth game, which I thought was a bit unfair as well, just saying mm-hmm. that he wasn't quite good enough. He, did, he looked like he couldn't hold up the ball and he was giving it up, giving it away too much. But actually, I think we've spoken about this on the Holtcast before. Progressively, uh, from that Tottenham game over to the Bournemouth game, there were, there were big changes in his game. He he, he looked like he, he was um, getting better with his positioning. Uh, he was uh, doing very well in terms of supporting the wingers around him. Uh, and we just sort of saw a little bit more movement in his game. And I think that sort of... Um, that sort of uh, built up into what we saw against Everton, where he was almost playing off the back of defenders, and he was uh, he was basically just predicting the movement of the ball, which is what you want to see. You want to see that sort of chemistry between uh, him and the wingers. And uh, yeah, it was that element of the game which which seemed to change. He was he was running around all over the place, uh, and yeah, just seemed to read hotter in particular, very well. Well, that first goal was a quite a simple pass from Hutter, who placed it through that massive gap between Yeri Mina and Michael Keane, who were kind of struggling to uh, provide any coverage for their defence. But Wesley made that breaking run from deep. Hutter played in the simple pass and uh, very easy for Wesley to sl- slice it across. Uh, Jordan Pickford in the Everton goal, get off the mark. Um, are we moving up from here then? Is the sky the limit for Wesley? I would say so. Um, him and Hata in particular work very, very well. Um, I think El Ghazi is going to have a little bit of an issue getting back in this team with those. I think Trezeguet actually played pretty well as well. Some people were slating him. I just wanted to mention that. But no, with Wesley, um, he's only going to get better with more game time. Um, in this day and age, it's so easy to slate someone on their purchase price on one game, on 30 minutes, on, you know what, on one touch. Um, we're so, I guess, instant reaction now within today's society in general, um, that we just essentially we're judging people too early and I'm going to say it right now. And if people want to slay me, I have him down for, uh, 12 goals this season. 
That's what I'm going to say. You can slate me now. Maybe that's too little, but I'm going to go with that. That's not bad at all, though, is it really? I mean, uh, I'm down for that. I think that's fairly positive. Yeah, I'll take it. Like some people are thinking, oh, after, especially after the Spurs game, oh, uh, I don't know who, which pundit it was. I wish I remembered now. Um, oh, he'll be lucky to get five goals, 22 millions too much. What do you expect? You're not going to get a decent striker for under 10 million anymore. You're going to have to overpay. And he's only 22 years old. He's going to grow into it. And I fully expect by the time he's 25 that I can't see him getting. 15 and 20 goals a season. A fairly decent purchase uh, by Villa so far. He's he's grown as each game has went on. I mean, he didn't have all the time in the world against Tottenham and Bournemouth was a bit of a tricky match for him. But it seems like there's certain tweaks in Villa's game plan to bring him in by bringing in Hotter, who speaks Spanish. Wesley speaks Spanish as well. The, the chemistry, those two showed. It, it ended in tangible results. And Tom Heaton was playing the long ball out the back, of course, because Villa had been punished for playing out the back in uh, the two previous games. So all these little tweaks made Wesley a, a better player. And Danny, I want to talk about Everton misfiring because there's a feeling, right? that it might be a bit of luck as to how Villa managed to win this match. They they won the match fair and square. They scored the two goals, right? And we'll come on to the second one later. But Everton, they showcased this brilliant attacking movement. And we expected the wingers to get involved. We expected Steen and Coleman to, you know, overload. Um, but it was really stodgy. The high line they played didn't seem to get past the midfield a lot. And when they did engineer some brilliant opportunities... You know, Calvert-Lewin missed, Theo Walcott missed, Iwobi hits the post, and even then Tom Heaton's got it covered. So is it luck, or did Villa force this this, this issue? A couple of strong opportunities for them. One in particular that we remember is Theo Walcott late on, who had the ball sort of played through by, by Iwobi and really should have scored, um, you know, one-on-one with a keeper. But Villa misfired a lot, didn't they? I mean, early on, we we saw sort of Trezeguet get into a position, I think, when Jack Grealish was through on goal. I can't quite remember if it was him or not. It may have been McGinn um, and, and almost sort of halting the attack. Uh, and by the way, I, I don't want to go on a I don't want to go on a crazy slate of uh, of Trezeguet here. He was great against Bournemouth. I didn't think he had his strongest game against, sorry, Everton, but I, 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 digress, I digress. Uh, and there was also another chance late on where, when Trezeguet seemed to be sort of straight through and, uh, and almost, uh, fluffed his chance or, or didn't, didn't quite, uh, attach himself to the ball well enough. So I think as, as much as we can paint the narrative that look, Everton, if they'd have gotten in, uh, if they'd have scored the goals that you should have scored, the opportunities that put them away, it would have been one, one Villa would have never scored the second goal. We can say, we can talk about about that as much as we want but I think the the reality is Villa created a lot of chances and there were a lot of chances there which which Villa should have put in a way. Well Cole I want to speak about defensive might because if we're going to look as to the reason why Everton probably didn't score we can definitely blame the misfiring but we can also speak about the blocks right because Everton had a lot of shots on target teams against Villa are having a lot of shots that means Tyron Mings and Bjorn Engels kind of lead the stats charts when it comes to blocking shots how important is that right Tyron Mings Bjorn Engels they're proving like bargain bargains at their respective prices, but Engels even more so than Mings, but Mings at 20 odd million rising to 26 looks at bargain. I'm, I'm thinking to myself right now, if Villa are to stay up, it'll be because the people like Tyra Mings and Engels have taken so many shots away from the other oh, team. Exactly. And it's honestly, that's crazy that you just asked me that question. Cause that's the point I wanted to bring up. So that works very well. Um, a lot of, especially for the Everton match in particular, um, I watched some of the post-match stuff and I want to say it was maybe Jermaine Genus and someone else. Um, 
on the post-match commentary for analysis. And they're going on about, maybe it was Alan Kerbishley. I can't remember. Um, but anyways, they're going on about how, um, I think it was Calvert-Lewin had one direct, like just fired right in the middle. Obviously it was a block um, and how the poor that was because he should have put it rifled in one of the corners and all this stuff. Um, and a few other chances, Oh, they should have scored here and they should have scored there, but where's the credit to the defenders? Ming's fantastic angles. This is something that's going to be him. Uh, Heaton angles and Ming's are going to be the players that in my opinion, keep us up this season. Uh, the blocks they make um, the relief they provide us at the back um, the encouragement really moving on just not with this season but into the future that gives us is massive I, I think we have a center back pairing here that could definitely uh, benefit us for years to come and you know what uh, it, it almost annoys me that they don't get enough credit people look at block shots as almost like kind of a negative in some ways because you're defending but at the same time, they're doing their job and we kept a clean sheet. Yeah, I think we have to remember the correct uses of stats here. And I think if you're having so many block shots, A, that is a good thing. But B, it does mean you're, you're usually on the back foot. But I think, you know, to that being said, Engels and Mings are getting in front of more than anyone else. And there must be a, a decent comparison with the teams around us that we are blocking more shots than the teams who will be potentially going down this season. And Danny, I think I saw a funny tweet. Well, I did see a funny tweet over the weekend. It was, uh, I think it was from Joe, who were exclusively looking at that Villa match on Friday. And they said, you know, in the vein of those that, that late 90s craze of asteroid films like Deep Impact and Armageddon, um, Tyron Mings, if an asteroid was heading towards Earth, he'd, he'd head it back. And I can't really disagree. He was conquering everything in the air, mate. Yeah, and it was brilliant because I think I think a lot of people were concerned that he was injured as well before the game started. I think there was concern over a pulled hamstring. Uh, so amazing that he just he, he took his way through the match. There was also a time in that match where we thought he might have been down, but yeah, he's just blocking everything. Uh, and we saw that from so many times during the during the championship season. And I think, uh, like I I I I just echo uh, what what you and Cole said. I think if if Villa stay up, it will be down to those two. Uh, Engels as well is just proving to be an, an absolute sort of revelation. I, I don't think I remember ever loving a centre-back par- pairing this much since Melberg and Larson. I was a big fan of uh, Horace Okore and Kieran Clark. They had it going on for a few games. <laughs> no, nowhere near so Melberg that... and, uh, and Larson Techers, but like, I was a big fan of that, that pairing. And don't forget Nathan, Nathan Baker and James Chester, mate. Nathan Baker put his head on every single ball. Yeah, but Nathan Baker also put every every dead ball out for a throw in. So that was <laughs> that was that that was the issue that I had with Nathan Baker. Otherwise, I would have said, yeah, I mean that was a good that was a good centre back pairing. Senderos and Vlad, you remember that in the relegation season, or it might have been the season before. For the first few weeks of the season, I thought that's it. Now we've we've cracked this. Senderos and Vlad looked like stellar, really, didn't they? They yeah. looked like almost world class together. It's, it's that weird Paul Lambert thing at Aston Villa, where the first few weeks of the season were just brilliant. And then something happens, like Sendros gets injured or teams find us out because we're that simple. And then it goes just to complete rubbish, don't it? I mean, here's the question. I mean, we, we look so solid right now with Engels and Mings as the partnership. At some point or another, this this happens over, over the course of a season. One of them is going to be out for a game or two, perhaps. Um, let's not let's hope no more than that. But if if, if say Ezri Konza comes in or, or or James Chester has to has to put himself back in the mix or Courtney House comes back in, are we going to be as solid? That's the question I want to know. And I think 
maybe Tuesday we'll find that out. But uh, yeah, I think that's that will certainly be something that comes up later on during the season. Yeah, actually, I just wanted to. It's a different question I want to ask you guys in particular. When does Target come in? I'm kind of curious about that. Danny, I'm not sure. I want to put my neck on the line and make a prediction due to how good Neil Taylor was against uh, against Everton because, you know, our friends at Villa Lamp, um, under a gas lamp, you can follow them on Twitter and read their magazine and uh, follow their blogs. They're fantastic. And the podcast as well. Um, they come out with a really smart angle that no one had really covered. And that was that Neil Taylor goal was coming against Seamus Coleman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Neil, Neil Taylor was, was threatening. Yeah, but this is the problem with Neil Taylor. I don't think he can finish. <laughs> I think that's that's the issue. And you, you can see that through his goal tally because I wouldn't call him a defensive left back. He gets forward and he does very well in supporting the attack. And honestly, whilst a lot of people seem to panic when he's when when he's getting that far forward, he always seems to find the pass. Like he never he never seems to give it away. It's just when he when he gets past the defenders, uh, he, he doesn't seem to be able to finish. But uh, in terms of Neil Taylor, he's been fantastic, and for that reason, it's been the right decision by by Dean Smith not to drop him for for target. Uh, as much as um, as people want to continue with that pre-season narrative that he was so good uh, against Leipzig and uh, and whatnot but it, we'll see him we'll see him play against uh, who've we got Crew Alexandra yeah that's it we'll see him yeah. play against Crew Alexandra on Tuesday night I, th- I think anyway um, because there's, there's, there's yeah. no point leaving him out and waiting for him to to play um, and throwing him in against a Premier League team he'll, he'll, he'll probably play against Crew well, on the opposite flank, Cole, um, Freddie Wilbert gained his first start of the season. Um, he'd been completely missing for the first two games. He came on to start for Ahmed al Hamadi at right back, and he looked fantastic. He ran the show, um, developed kind of chemistry with Hotter and Wesley um, going through the game uh, after kind of a fairly shaky start, shall we say. But no, he grew into the game, and I just wanted to know what you made of his debut, because for me, it was uh, as solid as they come. Yeah, it was very solid. Uh, he probably gave me a few heart attacks in the first 20 minutes, to be fair, the whole team did. Uh, I don't know how many team or times I was screaming at my TV but uh, within that first 20, but I'm glad we got through it. No, fantastic. Um, and especially for these kinds of games, I think he works extremely well. Um, like I said, um, after the Spurs um, podcast we did, um, you're going to see El Mahabdi in games where we're going to have to be more defensive and you're going to see Gilbert in games that we can catch teams on the counter, play forward, play a bit more freely. And Everton's one of those games. I, in my opinion, we did it for, and we could have, and I think we'll do it again going forward. Um, the only thing I, the only thing that kind of drives me insane with him. And obviously that depends on other players covering. I did notice a few times even after the little first 20 minute uh, tantrums we had of just not paying attention or not seeming up to pace. Um, There's just a lot of times where it seemed to be a lot of open space there and angle sometimes didn't exactly not, not to say he didn't know what to do, but it almost left him caught out and there was a little bit too much spacing between the two center back pairing. I would like to see maybe something be done about that a little bit, but that'd be my only complaint. Well, Danny, you a fan of Mr. Wilbear at all? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I, I, I really enjoy seeing him play down that right hand side. I thought he, he, he was key. He was instrumental in creating that goal, obviously, um, for 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 Wesley. Uh, obviously, supporting supporting Hotter. But yeah, I, absolutely, I, I agree. Right there with Cole, it was so many times during that game where there was there was empty space. I, I, I think at one point, uh, Engels fouled somebody or, or ended up. Um, 
misplacing uh, misplacing a pass, and immediately I thought it was Will Bear, but that was because he was so stretched out on the right hand side. Uh, and I think that if if we're going to see him sort of continue playing in that position and, and, and starting ahead of El Mohamed, he's going to have to start positioning himself better. So moving up the flanks from those fullback positions we've already discussed, I wanted to talk to you about Hotter because he came in um, for his first you know, Aston Villa start of the season and he looked really good. Um, Cole, I was really impressed by him. I think um, he kind of went under the radar after coming for so cheap from Birmingham City. I mean, he did, fl- he, he did seem good in preseason, but that doesn't mean much. And, you know, against Bournemouth, he didn't really have a chance to kind of get in, get involved. But the, the chemistry he showed with Will Bear and Wesley was really important because I think in, in a fashion, that's what won us the game, mate. Oh, exactly. Uh, I think a lot of people have low expectation for him, especially because of the price tag, like you said. Um, but honestly, I think he could be an extremely key player this year, someone who's going to come in, in and out of the team, especially. Um, in my opinion, he did everything right. Didn't really put many... Uh, um, opportunities wrong and um, no it's just I was really surprised I didn't know how he would step up because I don't really consider him a true winger um, maybe I'd some, like to see him more as more of like a central attacking midfielder someone that sits a little bit more inside but no he played that really well um, offers something completely different and he's very neat and tidy on the ball I loved his battle with Gomez all game absolutely bossed him and showed him uh, who was, in my opinion, the better player during that match. On the other side, Danny, was Amal Al-Ghazi, who came in as a, a late sub, and he looked the business. He scored a goal. He was practically dragged in by the atmosphere of the whole end, but no, he looked really tricky when he came on, and I think that was, a in the manner of Wesley, quite the slap back, uh, the clap back, <laughs> clap back against his critics, I think. I think uh, he came in for a lot of negatives. You know, we, We've criticised him as well. And uh, the effort he showed against Everton and he grabbing that goal in complete style was uh, fantastic to see. And again, you have question marks over these wing positions because of how good some of them decide to perform. Yeah, but how many times have you seen Anwar Al-Ghazi do that? I mean, all throughout last season, there was times when Anwar would, would come in on form and then he'd dip one game. Dean goes, all right, not today, mate. You're going to start on the bench. Um, we'll, 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 we'll see if we can give Andre Green a go and play you alongside Adoma or whatever. Um, and, and then Anwar would come back and, and score and then you'd see him dip just slightly again. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a motivation thing. I doubt it. He, he always seems like a very motivated character because even when he is having a bad game, he seems to, um, he seems to be annoyed by it and you can see the passion on his face. But, but yeah, this is just a very typical Anwar Okazi thing. Just, um, if you're going to drop me, fine. Let me show you what I'm all about again. Uh, and, and yeah, I think there's going to be a struggle uh, next week. I think it's against Crystal Palace to to kind of decide on, on who starts in those wings. Uh, but but certainly Cotter uh, seemed to to make a make a huge impact. And Anwar's going to have to fight for his place now. And and that's what we want. We want Anwar. We want uh, Mahmoud, and we want Cotter uh, to all be fighting for those positions. Yeah, exactly. I think competition especially in those positions, is key because there's quite a lot of depth in this Villa team and we'll come on to that um, when we speak about the Crew-Alexandra match. There's quite a lot of depth in this team and there will be, well, there will need to be rotation. So we'll see people like Nakamba, Haraham will definitely come back into the team at some point. We might see Esri Konzo if something happens at the back, um, Matt Target, Neil Taylor. And so there's, there's definitely rotation to be had. Um, what do you think about that, Cole? Um, no, I completely agree with that. Um, I wanted to bring up something a little bit different, actually, and it's a two-second yes or no thing. Um, let's do a stat attack here. 
I don't know. We can do an ESPN thing. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But anyways, so the Spurs match and the Everton match, we actually had zero corners. Is that a concern for either of you? For me, no, because corners are relatively... When you're looking at the big picture, like something like 3% of corners are scored. So to me, I think we just get worked up and excited about corners because it means you've had a shot and it's been deflected out. Um, a more efficient way of, sco- of shooting would be just to score. Uh, I think that that's what we've, we've pretty much shown um, over the past two games is when we do have a shot, we, we are at least aiming for the goal, trying to score. Uh, I mean, against Bournemouth, it was pretty wasteful. Um, but last, uh, I've got no critique of, of having no corners against Everton because I think when we took our chances, we really took our chances. Um, not sure about what you feel about there, Danny. Yeah, I mean, look, the reason why we didn't get any corners against against Spurs is because we sat back. We weren't attacking. So that's why we didn't get any corners against Spurs. Uh, as for the Everton game and as for the Bournemouth game, when we did get corners, a lot of them were short. Uh, perhaps um, we just need to get used to uh, or having to think a little bit harder about these corners. These Premier League sides are going to be defending um, incredibly well. And they'll, 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 have, they'll have thought about their zonal marking and, and how they deal with these situations uh, on, uh, on on a huge basis, basically. Um, but but yeah, I think look against Everton, corners weren't the ones weren't the things that were going to score us the goals. We exploited their high line. Uh, and that was because we managed to get players in behind their defence. Uh, when Everton were back and when there were enough of them defending, uh, we, we just struggled to break them down. We we will do. I think that that will be an issue. We, we may well struggle to break things down. The counter is going to be a huge weapon for us. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully with with guys like Wesley Mings Engels in there, we will start to be better with set pieces but uh generally what i seem to notice is when our wingers get the ball um into decent positions we we just like to we just like to get uh, get the cross into the box as soon as possible um and that is thanks to having two bombing fullbacks all the time thanks for the stat attack goal <laughs> yeah well because I, I maybe it's only me but i just want to see angles on a corner head that in and just fist the air so hard like he did when he blocked that one shot that's all i want to see happen that's why i'm asking <laughs> want to see a happy beer Yes, basically. <laughs> well, on a final note, I'll need to take some match balls from you. Um, the player who impressed you the most, not necessarily your man of the match, but someone who, you know, caught your eye the most. Um, Cole, I'm going to come to you first, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to go with Hata. I've probably given him enough praise throughout this uh, little portion of the podcast. Um, Sublime did everything right, didn't really put a foot wrong. Um he just exemplifies what a good bargain he was. And if I can ever find this tweet, I have to give some credit to Phil Vogel because he did get the score prediction right of 2-0. So a uh, big shout out to him. And again, thanks to Trevor Hood for making us uh, look like actual Premier League footballers. Yeah, uh, big balls. Phil is off the mark with that bold prediction of uh, 2-0. I mean, I thought mine was close. I thought mine was going to happen, 1-0. And I put 1-0 Wesley first goal scorer, and I should have cashed out on that because that was 36-1 to 1 odds. So uh would have been decent out of that. But uh, Danny, uh, do you agree with Cole? And our young writer, Liam Byrne, on site, I think he's only 14, he chose Hutter as his man of the match on 7,500 to hold. Um, I want to know your match ball, mate. First of all, 14, that's impressive. It's a very, very yeah, good age to be jumping into, jumping into journalism. So well done, mate. Uh, just want to say a shout out to you. Um, yeah, I mean, Hart is a very good choice. He's a very, very good choice. Uh, he wasn't my first choice, though, which is which is which is why it's good that Cole got to go first here. My first choice is Wesley, 
Oh, the man crush is back. Oh, no. It's not, it's not a man crush. It's not a man crush. All right, listen. I, I... You, you see that big, the, the muscly neck, the heated, the heated South American <laughs> passion. I don't know if you just, uh, you fall for him. Mate. Those veins popping. Listen, I think we've already accepted that, I think we've already accepted that Hotta is the is the best looking player on the team, um, but Wesley, um, I'm, I'm going with him because he, he, his runs off the ball all game were, were, were fantastic, and he and he was the spearhead. I mean, I think all our attacks seem to rely on him, um, especially because of the fact that the, what what seems to happen with with Wesley now is. We get the ball up to him, and immediately the wingers are anticipating um, anticipating a pass from him. And I think that his hold-up play is getting better. Uh, as much as I as much as I enjoy hearing Stan Collymore's analysis, I don't think we're going to need Emil Heskey to come back and, and, and help this guy. I, th- <laughs> I think I think I think Wesley is, is showing us that he's got a mind of his own, and he could well be a, a very very complete striker for us so i'm, I'm gonna give it to him i mean another honorable shout out goes out to john mcginn i thought he was all over the place uh i, I thought he was he defended well and he, and he pushed forward well obviously giving the assist to anwar Ghazi. um but yeah i think wesley is my man of the match i'm gonna give my second man of the match to john mcginn for that little video dance because that was amazing um and james i want us to give a prediction each right now how many times will danny give wesley the man of the match because there's a man crush this year so we've got 35 matches left. Yeah. <laughs> I think 17. Oh, you're, you're being generous. I was going to go 15. So that's another 17 goals. Uh, he doesn't need to score to look good, though. I mean, if we get battered 5 0 by, say, Man City, which is probably on the cards, to be fair, you don't go against those teams and play well. Like, you're still probably going to find a way to give it to him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he, he did a good headed clearance. <laughs> Yeah, he did well. He, 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 he was tracking back against Aguero, and for that, I've got to, I've got to give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to come in with mine now, and I think honestly, you could have predict, you could have picked most players in this team again: Grealish, uh, Douglas, Louise, um, Taylor, Wesley, of course, Hotter, Will Bear, Engels, Mings, Heaton. I'm going to go for Frederick Will Bear. Um, not easy to come into your first game facing that wing attack and uh, especially impressive to look, look so solid against it and, and hold your own in defence and in attack. So I was, I was really impressed with him and I think he's going to keep that spot for the foreseeable future. Uh, in the near future, Villa are heading up north to Crew to take part in the second round of the Carabao Cup. Crew, a League 2 side, um, they beat Middlesbrough in some fashion. Um, their goal came from, I think they took it to a penalty shootout and managed to uh, draw out, drag out the win against Jonathan Woodgate's Middlesbrough. Um, their goal came when a guy crossed it. Well, he took a shot and it turned into a cross and he just smacked the striker in his face and went in. Um, so they're, they're no, no slouches. They took Middlesbrough to task. Um, Villa are going up north. Are we rotating, guys? Danny, I think there's going to be rotation. Yeah, here. there's going to be rotation. We're going to see Nakamba, uh, hopefully. I think we're going to see Target in there. There's there's players that we haven't even seen yet. I mean, this is this is the the magic of, of, of signing a ridiculous number of players. Is there anybody I'm forgetting? I don't know, right? But I think Nakamba and Target are the only, <laughs> are the only two we haven't seen. Konza as well, actually. We've seen him on the bench. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe as well, Jed Steer gets to... Just have another run out. I think that's an important point to make because, as as great as Tom Heaton has been for us this season, uh, we may well need him to step up to the plate, Jed Steer. So uh, it could be a big game for him. These matches are where it's tough. I think um, you can't really take it for granted because the Premier League teams and even Championship teams tend to rotate quite heavily to focus on league fixtures, and that means a motivated 
and full strength League Two, League One side can take advantage of these these higher rated slouching teams. Um, Cole, how important is it for Villa to progress here? Uh, this is always tough. I'm not a big fan of the Carabao, but then again, it's another win. It's confidence. It's a chance to for Dean Smith and the fans to see players we really haven't seen this season. Uh, you'll see Haas come in, Konza probably. Uh, like we said, Target. It'd be good to see Nakamba. Um, I'm going to give another little stat attack, though. I have no clue if this is right, so maybe it's not a good stat attack. Um, from this, it looks like we've only played Crew like four times since 1928, and we've won three of them um, and only drawn one, and they're obviously cup matches. So if that's true, uh, I guess we'll have to um, and get some of that form back from 1989 when we won 3-2 in the FA Cup. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, we, we need to find someone who can, uh, you know, the stat, uh, the scat man song change it to stat man. Yeah. I'll, I'll take oh. that. If we can have that, that could be my little <laughs> thing. I'll take that. I'm not going to sing it. So oh, uh, come on. don't worry about that. But I think the Carabao Cup, the league cup is probably it, the reason it was produced is for teams in the league to have an additional cup to win. Hence, hence the name teams in this English football league. They have a chance to win the cup. That's not the FA Cup or the Premier League that everyone's going for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is Villa's best chance to win a title, like a, well, a league competition. Um, definitely should be aiming for that. They, they, there's no reason why not to. I think you, you are battling relegation, but Villa have the depth to compete here. Like you don't have to take the whole squad out, but there are definitely players who can come in and perform. You know, our guys who can come back in, Keenan Davis up front, Konza House, Target. Al Mohamedy, Jed Steer. You've got a solid team to kind of compete in this tournament. And when you get to the later stages, we can worry about it then. But I think for these these first games, we should we should be looking to beat Crew. There's no reason why we can't go to Crew and win. And I think it would be quite savagely disappointing to miss out. But then again, is it, it's not going to hurt as bad as say relegation, Danny. It? It's not going to hurt us as bad as relegation um, if we if we get knocked out of the cup. But I am craving a good cup run. Because it's been years. I mean, we, we just seem to we seem to fall out at an early hurdle so many times in the Cup. And I don't know if it's an Aston Villa thing. Um, but, you know, I, I would really like to see us give it a good go. Yeah. I mean, even if it means getting to a quarterfinal, even if it's, if it's a League Cup or the FA Cup, I think that would just be... Um, I think that would be part and parcel of, of us having a good season. Uh, I think if we are the team that shocks everybody in the Premier League, and let's, let's hope it is, uh, then, then, then we do have the potential to go on a decent cup run. I think it's going to all come down to how ready these uh, backup players are. Or I don't want to say backup players, actually. How ready these, these other players are who, who are just coming into the team. I think we should be aiming for the quarterfinal. Yeah, that's I guess. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. We 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 have to be because we're we're too big a club to to be getting out in the first and second rounds all the yeah. time. Yeah. Any expectations of this competition, Cole? I'm bringing up something before you ask me that. Um, Danny wasn't distracted. Well, maybe he was, but he was looking at a picture of Wesley. That's why he was distracted. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> uh, you got me, Gilly. <laughs> Um, no, I, I think like this is a perfect chance for someone like Keenan Davis to step in um, and gain some confidence. And we haven't really seen him in goal scoring form. So even if it's against a League Two side, it'd be nice to see him do well. And you know what? With the striking force we have right now, that besides Wesley looks a little weak, um, it'd be good to see him get a good run out, get some good confidence. And in my opinion, if he starts and performs well, this is his cup and his spot to lose. Well, a good cup run isn't just a good 
Cup run, it gives us chances, well, some of us chances to claw back in the predictions table. So I'm going to go with a match prediction now, and I want to take both of yours after. I'm going to go 1-1 with Villa to win on penalties. Ooh. Danny, what are you saying? I think Crew obviously had a showed, showed a brilliant performance against Middlesbrough. Um, but uh, they haven't been amazing in the league. I mean, they've, they've won a few games and they are sitting sixth at the table, but they did just lose 1-0 to Newport on the weekend as well. Uh, I'm going to go with a 4-1 Villa win. Cole, you're matching that. Uh, I was going to try to find the results, <laughs> but um, I guess I don't have time <laughs> to now. Um, oh, geez. God damn it, Danny. Um, <laughs> no. What did I do? <laughs> I wasn't quick enough. Um, I'm going to go... Oh, jeez. Yeah, because like realistically, this is like the most Villa thing is like to struggle and not look that great against like a League Two side and either lose or go to penalties and win or something. Um, I'm just going to go two one Villa. Fair enough. I think that's fairly realistic. The final thing we've got to do on this podcast, we've got another match coming up. It's Villa versus Crystal Palace. Roy Hodgson's men, fresh off a an incredibly surprising victory against Ali Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United. Uh, Manchester United very unlucky not to batter them but that's football and you know Crystal Palace take that win and they take it with glee and Roy Hodgson's men they're not afraid to sit back they have incredible depth in attack you know Ben Teke Jordan Ayew so two former villains then you've got Wilfred Zaha on the wing so it's quite a scary attack to go up against um in the with the best intentions I think this is a six-pointer you know if Villa are a side tip for relegation so are Crystal Palace so Villa kind of need to think about winning this match right Cole oh absolutely um there's kind of going to be a different concept depending on how that uh um United result went if they would have drawn or lost it would have been in our favor favor wow uh (laughs) if I can speak English but now that they've won I think there's going to be a little bit more favoritism on Crystal Palace just because they beat United, even though United, in my opinion, are still in poor state. Um, But no, it's going to be a definite six pointer. Again, this is like the Bournemouth game. These are games that we have to pick up points from um, one, if not three. Um, And it's just something that we, we have to build more confidence. I don't think it's good for confidence, morale, um, and just overall team unity. If we go through some, losses and wins and that unbalanced getting a nice little run would um be good before we get into some more tougher fixtures um because we definitely will um but no i think i can't see us not winning here i'm going with the villa win i'll just do an early prediction fair enough i'll take the final score on um off you at off you at the end but danny i want you to pick out a crystal palace player that we should be uh worried about yeah this is an interesting one uh i think i think zaha uh, potentially because uh, I one I don't know if El Mahamedi is uh, defensively strong enough to go up against him, um, and two because I almost think like Gilbert will totally <laughs> will, will, will will totally struggle to to kind of pick him up um, because he might not be used to the Premier League just yet. Uh, that's that's smart. Well, it, it doesn't really matter about how how used he is to the Premier League. It really does it because this is what Zaha does. Like he takes people to task. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But look, I mean, I think, I think the United game. I think really, I, I, as much as I can talk about the attack, you know, they've got Zaha, they've got Ayu, uh, Benteke is always an option. Jeffrey Schlupp's also very fast. As much as they've got that, like the reason they beat United, in my opinion, was because that midfield is just solid. And I mean, the, 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 the fact that we're away from home, right? And you look at Milivojevic, Koyate, and Makarta, That is as dogged as it as it can come. 
isn't mm. it? I mean, if 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 if, if Palace go a goal up and, and they're at home, that midfield will control with all respect to Pogba and McTominay. Once they're a goal down, then they're not going to be able to outrun those three. So if I could, I mean, as much as I can say Zaha is the one player you want to look out for, that midfield, right, especially when it drops into a five, oh boy, that's going to be rough. Cole, Villa need to kind of jump out of yeah. the blocks here then. That's what I'm expecting is a Palace side they should be expecting to beat. They can't really afford to do this whole deeper or mid-block. I mean, a lot of people behind me at the Everton match were screaming for high pressing, but if they did that, they'd have lost the game because... Everton would have just passed around them. Against Crystal Palace, it's a whole different story. This t- this team will sit back when it needs to. It will counter-attack with the pace of Zaha and Ayu. It will do damage through the substitutions it can bring on. Even, you know, bloody Benteke can be brought on. And he was Villa Starman not 10 years ago. You know, it's five, four years ago he was. So it's dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing we have to remind ourselves here too is we can't get off to a slow start. Every single game we've had a slow start and it, it will cost us eventually again. Um, it's a bit different, obviously, with the Everton thing. Um, they don't obviously have as much um, firepower and, I guess, high-class players as I in Everton, in my opinion. But no, like I'm looking at their stats right now. I'm pretty sure they've only conceded two goals um Roy Hodgson obviously is known for being a little bit more defensive so you have to take that in consideration um they have quite a few block shots with seven already 39 interceptions um in my opinion that's showing how lethal their midfield can be when it does come to possession and taking away possession um 35 headed clearances 271 aerial battles and duels won so you know they're going to be tough in the air that could be Benteke, could be uh, Kuyute, um, could be a number of factors. So we have to look at this from a, never, no, a number of different aspects. And it's going to be a tough match. It's going to be a grind. And it's it's honestly, it's going to probably be one of our toughest matches of the season so far. Yeah, I think uh, in definition, you can call this a six-pointer. It's an early six-pointer. We don't have the context yet to afford that title, but... I'm willing to stake my claim and say that's a uh, this is a six pointer. Uh, so to finish off my prediction, then uh, a one-one Crystal Palace Villa draw. Danny, I want your prediction. Yeah, I, look, I think I think um, we're we're not quite ready to keep a clean sheet yet. That's no that's no disrespected defence. I just think that um, we're not quite ready, maybe in terms of our midfield to, to be able to handle this kind of midfield uh, to handle this kind of midfield just yet. Um, but having said that, Wesley has a turn of pace and as as well as Cahill and Kelly played against Manchester United and it's, it's as much potential as that partnership has, uh, you'd imagine that, that if we play the ball to, to Wesley's feet or, or try to get him in behind like we did against Everton, uh, even though it will be a little bit higher up the pitch, um, we, we might well be able to sneak one past them. So I'm going to go with uh, one or draw. Cole. Danny matched me with the draw. You've already said we're going to win, but what's the score line oh, going to be, I forgot mate? I said that now because now I'm trying to talk myself down. Oh, <laughs> damn, I shouldn't have said that. Um, you can still yeah. change it. Oh, we won't but now I sound like you. a hypocrite. Jeez. Um, oh, At Sellers Park as well, it's going to be tough. Um, you know they're going to line up well and they're going to probably play pretty defensive. Um, I'll, yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. I'll be safe. I'm going to wimp out of my earlier prediction. <laughs> spreading your bets mate this is why I suck at betting 
<laughs> it's a bit of a sucker punch. Yeah, to it is. I, I've I've hurt the souls of all our listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can tweet me at uh, directly at Talk Villa. Give me abuse. Well, yeah, I guess uh, we'll finish it there. We'll see you next week uh, with uh, two matches to recap on that Crew Alexandra versus Villa match, and of course Villa versus Crystal Palace on Saturday at Salhurst Park. I'm James Rushton. You can follow me at Jamo Rushton. Danny Rises at Rizerjerno, and of course Cole Petham, as he said at Talk Aston Villa. All together, we're at 7,500 to hold. We'll see you next week and up the Villa. Goodbye.